It's on. Well, the struggle was real on that one. Uh, anyway, welcome to the Covert Show, episode number 73. We're doing it a little bit differently. First segment, Nick will do his thing. Should note, recorded his last week. I'm recording mine today, December the 12th. I've uh, been fighting a little bit of a vocal thing, so this has been the earliest that I've been able to record so with that, we'll let Nick take it away. It's episode number 73 of The Covert Show. It's on. Ooh, crispy on the new opening today. Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? JC has already introduced us today and probably broke down what is going to happen on today's episode of The Covert Show. And I have to look this up just in case JC does say it or does not, we're going to look it up just because I've been on a hiatus. Deer season has been kicking my ass. And so we're on a little bit of a hiatus. We are on episode 73. And folks, we got a fun one for you. JC has already talked to you guys about this, I assume. We kind of texted about this earlier tonight. We're recording this on the 7th of December. Okay. And so what happened was JC had a basketball game tonight. He ended up getting out late. Games didn't tip off at the correct time. So now we're here, and we were texting back and forth wanting to know if one of us needed to go solo or whatnot, and then he came up with the brilliant idea of, hey, let's do two different segments. So that is what we are going to do today. I've got a segment coming up. JC's got a little bit of a segment. I'm going to kind of break down two things that are on my mind in one subject, and then one thing also going into another. But first off, we got to take a little bit of the good old bush latte. And get those bubbles down for you. Guys, it's Thursday, Friday Junior. Welcome to it when we're recording. But anyways, this is this is a wild, wild episode, and it gets a little wilder. Cause I'm sure I'm gonna sound like a broken record here. I'm gonna sound like the nine thousandth person that you've talked to about it, or if you haven't talked to about it, have seen it on TikTok, or if you don't follow it, then that's fine too. You're gonna get informed. We have some big news that came out last Sunday, and I know we're a little late to the party, but we, we still want to get our two cents in. More more or less, me wants to get our two cents in here on this topic. And if you guys are kind of hearing the hesitation in my voice, if you guys are kind of hearing the hesitation about what's been going on circling around the globe, we're talking about the college football playoff, and we're talking about the rankings that came out on Sunday and we're talking about everything that we could possibly think of when it comes to this. I'm at least going to try my damnedest. So here's here's the whole story. For those of you who have not been informed, and I got a couple of tweets on this as well, so I got to pull up my Twitter here. I didn't have that didn't have that hit on here. So, here's here's where it all breaks down. The college football playoff committee met on Saturday night to break down how the college football ranking would be for the rest of the season. Excuse me, I have to wipe my nose. The college football playoff committee met on Saturday. Already stated that. Sunday, the rankings came out. Now, here's where it gets deep and it gets interesting and it just gets a whole lot of, I'm going to say it, fucked up. Michigan at number one of the college football playoff. Okay. Everybody saw it. They beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, or they beat Iowa in the Big Ten Championship. 
it wasn't a boat race like everybody thought, but everybody said, okay, if there's a team to possibly be able to run Michigan until the point to where they might get tired, Iowa would be that team. And we'll talk about that game as well. Washington and Michael Penix Jr. at number two. I like this, but I do have an opinion here that might be a hot take. Now, this is the 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 spiel on where it goes somewhat south. The Longhorns of Texas are now back, baby. Texas is ranked third in the college football playoff. They were the first one-loss team in it all year. They were the first one-loss team to be in it. Uh, just, yeah, I mean, in the top five to really be at that pinnacle point. They've had a couple of marquee wins. They've had one big marquee loss to Oklahoma, which kind of, that throttled the season just a little bit, but, I mean, it didn't really do much, apparently. They're ranked third in the country. Alabama is now four. I'm going to pause for a second for dramatic effect. Alabama is now four, and then this is the hard part here. Florida State is five. 13-0. Won the ACC conference title. A Power 5 team at 13-0 and is sitting outside of the bubble. Then you have the bigger factor here as well. Georgia is sitting outside of the bubble at 6. With their one loss being to an Alabama team who won the SEC and is now ahead of Florida State. I have multiple things to say about this, and this is where I'm going to start. College football playoff, you suck so freaking hard. This is ridiculous. You argue all year about the strength of schedule, fine. Alabama has a lot of good ranked wins this year. We'll break them down in a second. Florida State has some key marquee or some big marquee wins here as well. Both won conference titles. But at the same time, this has been the biggest facade I have ever seen in my life in college football. I've seen a lot of stuff go wrong in the rankings when the BCS was still here. But here's the biggest factor. 90% of this deal that just happened was based on the fact that Jordan Travis got hurt and now Florida State is out of quarterback. Florida State doesn't have their star quarterback that was supposed to be a Heisman candidate, Heisman finalist, putting together a fantastic season for the Seminoles. I mean, he was there. He was riding, riding a wave. And then he gets hurt against Northern Alabama out for the end of the year. There's also the money deal behind it. Where was the tweet that I saw here? I've been going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth on this because everybody's been sending out tweets. I've been liking them about it. I've been trying to figure it all out. I've got to go through all my Nebraska volleyball stuff, which I'll break that down too because that's fun. So when it all comes down to this fact as well, there was a tweet here, and I know it was a tweet because one of my former coaches liked it, retweeted it, it was there. How far back do I got to go? Da, 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 da. We're, we're working here. Give me a, two seconds, folks. I can figure this out. I can figure this out. That was a long time ago. Anyways, the NCAA and the college football playoff was potentially going to be losing money if Florida State was in. I find that to be pure and total bullshit. Just because you do not have the Crimson Tide 
in the college football playoff does not mean you're going to lose viewership. You're going to pick up everybody from Tallahassee. You're going to pick up everybody that, from the state of Florida that's a Seminole fan, and you're still going to get the diehard college football fans that are wanting to see what happens. Plus, you've got Michigan fans over there. You've got Washington. You've got Texas fans that are all sitting here raring to go, ready to watch college football. And you're going to tell me that money is going to be the factor. You're going to tell me that a quarterback that got injured. Folks, they beat an SEC team with a third-string quarterback. They beat a tough Louisville team with a third-string quarterback and won their conference. And you're not going to give them a bid. Currently, Florida State is on a 19-game win streak. Longest active winning streak in the FBS goes to Washington at 20, Florida State at 19, Liberty, the Flames at 13, baby. Michigan with a 13-game win streak. And then you drop it down to Alabama with an 11-game. After losing to Texas earlier in the year, and then this is where all the fire gets put back in. This is a tough conversation. There's a lot of this happened, this happened, this happened over the years. So let's break this down for you guys from a fundamental standpoint. Please don't give me a cease and desist on that. So, Alabama's schedule. Middle Tennessee at the beginning of the year, 56-7 blowout. Texas, a loss by 10 points in Tuscaloosa. The Longhorns came out strong. Quinn Ewers and the the Texas defense really held Alabama to a, a very questionable game. Also, Milrow has not been playing good. The majority of the beginning of the season, he did not play good. He has picked it up a little bit in his performances during the last few games, which is good. Alabama's been playing better, but then we'll keep going here. South Florida, you almost lost to South Florida. And by almost lose for Alabama, only winning by 14 points, that's not big to a team like South Florida. 17-3 final there. Win against Ole Miss. That game was in Alabama. Over a 15th-ranked Ole Miss team, 24-10. to Mississippi State, 40-17. and Texas A&M, 26-20. Arkansas, 24-21. to the, the scores got closer. Tennessee beat by 14th. The ranked Tennessee team at 17, which was a college football playoff ranking. LSU, 14th ranked team in the country, 42-28. to That one's in Tuscaloosa as well. Go to Kentucky, or go to Kentucky 49-21. to And then this is where I still get a lot of flack for it. Everybody hates me for saying this. If you're going to be a top-ranked team, and especially if you're going to be a top-ranked SEC team that faces a gauntlet that has a powerhouse conference, if you're scheduling Chattanooga in the middle of the season, just get out. Seriously, this is BS. Chattanooga gets blown out 66-10 in Tuscaloosa. That's an FCS team who actually made the FCS playoffs, so congratulations to Chattanooga. You guys lost to Alabama, That's and you still made your playoff, which is fine, because it really doesn't affect us. Auburn, 27-24, had to get a Hail Mary play, or Hail Mary type play, even though it was picked off. You have to get that set into your resume deal there against an unranked Auburn team. Then you go and beat Georgia in the SEC title by the same score, which also needed a miracle to happen at 27-24. and 24. And so this is where I'm going to start. I need to open up a new tab here because we were slightly not prepared for this, even though we were. This is where I'm going to start drawing the line here. You now have an entire schedule that has, out of all those teams that I said were ranked, Ole Miss is still on on the board. 
They're ranked 11th in the final ranking. LSU is ranked at 13 in the final ranking. Tennessee is ranked in the final ranking. Texas is still ranked in the final ranking. Georgia is still ranked in the final ranking. So all your teams have a strength that is still there for you. That's a big factor. Then you go and look at how the SEC, when it comes to st- when it comes to standings and records, Georgia in the conference is now eight and one. Bama's nine and one. On the East, second closest team was Missouri. They're six and two. Then Tennessee four and four in the conference, finished with an eight and four record. Kentucky three and five. Florida three and five. South Carolina three and five. Vanderbilt zero and eight. Then you go to the West side, nine and Alabama. Six and two, ten or six and two, Ole Miss. Six and two, Louisiana State. Why did I say it like that? I've never said that in my life. LSU, Texas A and M, four and four, Auburn, three and five, State for Mississippi and Arkansas, both one and seven. So here we go. We got a mediocre win. There's mediocre wins spread out this entire conference, which everybody can argue that the SEC is still a good conference. It's still competitive. That's fine. But normally, your top two teams constantly have been Georgia, Bama, and still. Georgia's been a little bit lackluster. Florida has started to pick it up. Or Florida used to be the top team in the SEC, and then Georgia started running with Kirby Smart. LSU was the top team a few years back when they got Joe Burrow. Coach O, Tigers are out. Ole Miss trying to run themselves back up the SEC ladder. They're doing good. Both Ole Miss and LSU are holding themselves strong. Tennessee is starting to make a resume. But still, when you look at these conference standings, and Tennessee is losing... Mississippi State is finishing at the bottom of the conference. Arkansas is finishing at the bottom of the conference. It's become a kind of a powder puff conference of just you have your two main top-tier teams. Okay, okay. Good, good. And then mediocrity, bad. That's what I think of the SEC. And now you got two more teams coming in with Texas and Oklahoma, both in the college football top 25 for this year. Still set at Texas Alabama, so now are you going to have another powerhouse come back? Is that going to add to the spoils? Florida State on the air. We'll break down their record here. They beat an LSU team who's still ranked the top 25, who has potentially one of the top Heisman candidates in there for your favorite. Why am I blanking? Names are hard. But you have a top Heisman quarterback. I got to look this up. This is freaking killing me. Why can't I do it? JT, or Jared Daniels. Jaden Daniels. Wow, this is bad, folks. I'm stumbling here. But you got Jaden Daniels, one of the top quarterbacks in the country, who's put together a fantastic resume. I'll give Jaden Daniels that. Because if you looked at his running stats or just running film at the beginning of the year, man was getting blown out of the water by D-backs in the backfield. So, Southern Miss team. Kicked crap out of Southern Miss, 66-13. Boston College had to come out with a little bit of a scathing there, 39-21. Clemson, 34-21. So now you're starting to ask the question, all right, is Florida State the real deal? They're still unbeaten. Virginia Tech, win, 39-17. Syracuse, 41-3, which everybody thought that this Syracuse team was going to finish at the top of the conference or close to with the way that they were coming out. No, that didn't happen. Duke at the time was ranked 16th in the country. That's a 38-20 win over Duke. Wake Forest, 41-16. Pitt, 24-7. to 
Miami, 27-20. That's a rivalry game. All right, fine, cool. Still, though, seven-point victory. Had to come out with a little bit of a miracle there. North Alabama. Really? Why? 58-13. Florida, 28-15 in the swamp. One of the hardest places in college football to play. Then you have Louisville, 16-6. Started off a little bit slow. Like I said, third-string quarterback in for the Seminoles. You're still a perfect record team who can still come out and win games. And here's the other factor that's playing into this as well that not a lot of people kind of take into consideration unless you remember from last year. TCU got into the college football playoff, beat a very strong Michigan team without Blake Corum, but still Blake Corum wasn't needed in that game. It would have been helpful, but that game was not just riding on Blake Corum being a star running back and doing what he does. J.J. McCarthy played great. The defense still played great. Max Duggan and uh, Quinn Johnston out on the outside edge for a receiver. Played fantastic. TCU had a lot of heart coming into this game. They had a lot of fire getting being a one-loss team put into the college football playoff. Did TCU deserve to be there? Yeah. Did they deserve to maybe be in the national championship? The score didn't reflect it, but they won the game. They beat Michigan. They won. That's the fact of the matter. They might have gotten blown out by the best team in the country with Kirby Smart and the Dogs. But, dude, they got to that point. They got their chance. They got there. They stumbled. But they still got there. And then this year they took a nosedive. TCU is not relevant at all. But that's fine when you lose guys. That's fine when you get draft picks taken. You're going to say that the one quarterback that was driving this team with the amount of talent that's there, when you've got Trey Benson as a running back, when you've got as much receiving talent in Keon Coleman, there is no possible way that you can tell me that one quarterback is going to make this team any different. He might be a third-string quarterback. He might be ill-prepared for this game. That's fine. But Florida State was going to do everything that they could to win these games. So here's my statement. If I had to pick my college football playoff rankings now, if I had to go through and pick what I think would be the correct rankings for the year at this time and standpoint, this one is going to be tough. Going to be very tough here. You had Michigan with a win over Iowa, 28-0. Let me double-check that, make sure it's good. 26 nothing. sorry. Iowa, oof, and I got to talk about that here too. 26 nothing over Iowa, win the Big Ten, beat Ohio State, who was a top playoff team, knock them out, you're up, okay. Washington had one of the toughest strength of schedules all year when the Pac-12 was going to be disbanded next year. One of the toughest gauntlets to go through, had to beat an Oregon team with Bo Nix, a potential Heisman candidate, finalist, You had to beat them twice. You won your conference. You're there. Texas, hold off. Bama, hold off. Florida State should be there. Georgia has a potential argument as well. Here's where I'm going to put my shoes on. I'm going to put my big boy shoes on, and we're going to give you the pick right now. If I had to say at the end of the season for the top 25 pick going into the college football playoff in the bowl season now, 
Washington is my number one. Michigan is two. Florida State, three. Texas is at four. Washington has had a tougher gauntlet. Michigan had a little bit of a powder puff schedule at the beginning of the year. They closed out with a hard gauntlet, and they still went 13-0, beating a Penn State, Ohio State, Maryland team, which was decent, and then Iowa. You had three ranked wins all at the end of the year. Washington had a gauntlet of rankings throughout the entire season with a Colorado team that fell off, a USC team that fell short, Oregon twice, Utah. Where do I got to go from there? Florida State, you definitely deserve to be in the playoff. You should be playing Michigan at three. A 13-0 team cannot get left out. And then finally, I'm putting Texas there because Texas beats Alabama, even though Bama beat Georgia. Georgia was the unanimous number one the entire season. Texas has that outright win. So there's my college football top four for you. Washington, Michigan, Florida State, Texas. Argue with me what you want. That's how I'm going to put it. And we'll see where that goes because... I think that is the most ideal way that this could have even gone on. And still, everybody's going to argue Georgia should be in because they have one loss. You lost to your conference title winner. And then Alabama lost to a Texas team who has not wavered in the rankings. They had one drop back, and then they went back up. Alabama had to climb the ladder to get back in and had a lot more close losses. So there's my college football playoff talk. I personally think if we're going to say it one more time, Florida State, I feel for you guys so hard. Everybody's been talking about this. Like I said, I'm just another sheet in the wind here that's just drifting drifting on by. You can't tell me that this is not known information. You can't tell me that this has been something that everybody's been saying across the board. I get it. Everybody's pissed off about it. Everybody doesn't want to talk or everybody wants to have their two cents in it. This is my chance to get my two cents into it. Is it going to matter? No. College football playoff committee isn't going to listen to me. The Pat McAfee show isn't going to listen to me. Freaking shit. Stephen A. Smith and all those guys, they ain't going to listen to me either. I'm just speaking for what I know, and if college football was correct, and if college football was legit how it was supposed to be, instead of now trying to go to what's the better matchup to get ratings, what's the better matchup to actually get the top-ranked players in the country here, it's not that. College sports is meant for kids to specifically go out and play their asses off every single day because they want an opportunity to try to make it to the show. They want an opportunity to make it to the pros. They want to see that success. But they also build a band of brothership and a band of commitment between the coaches that are trusting them or trusting them. They put trust in the coaches. The parents put trust in the coaches. This is more than just playing for a contract. This is more than playing for everything. Now, do I do I like how the I or the NIL deals are here to help these kids so they don't have to go try to work jobs with practice and school and everything? Absolutely I do. Is it getting blown out of proportion to the point to where it's now kind of becoming you can almost now pay an entire freaking player as soon as he gets on campus? Absolutely. I think that's starting to get a little obstructed and I think the view of that has kind of now started to climax and gone off. I get it though. Because now all these players and all these companies are like, oh, we can we can target the younger guy. We can target the starting quarterback for here because he's going to be a number one draft pick. Okay, let him. But don't let it go to the kid's head because they're still trying to play for a school, a name on the chest, everything. 
They're trying to play for a name on the back, too, that just to get themselves where they're going. But the only reason they want to do that is because it betters the team around them. This isn't the pros where everybody is just trying to get a contract because you win a Super Bowl, get a contract because you win a World Series. No, college sports is, I'm going to play and try to kick, kick your ass. That's all college sports is. That's all it should be because that's kids. That's 18 to 25, or to 20, well, now 25, 18 to 25-year-olds getting their shot and trying to do anything they can with it and also trying to go get an education. It's their break from school. So, two cents, done. Soapbox, done. <sighs> that was a lot. Now we got another soapbox to go on because this is going to be hilarious. Well, for me anyways. It's uh, maybe not for some people in the chat here. Iowa fans, I got a lot of plea dealing for you because you guys have had a tough season. And I'm not just judging this from the Nebraska fan. I'm judging this from an unbiased standpoint. Offense was horrible this year. Again, Brian Ferentz signed a contract that said, score 25 points or you're out. Score 25 points a game, you're out. It's Simple as that, okay? We've been dealing with struggles. Our punter is our best offensive guy. Enough said. I want to read a stat for you. I saved this on Instagram. And I actually know that I saved this one. Because I thought this was absolutely hysterical. Iowa this season. Total yards of offense. 3,123. Iowa's punters total yards, 4,156. If you don't believe me, there it is. That's your stat line, okay? Enough said. Enough said, honestly. So... Now here's the deal. Brian Ferentz is out of a job. As I try to rehydrate again here. Brian Ferentz. Break up the clips here. Make sure we're still getting the camera rolling in case I decide I want to try to get a clip out of this here. Brian Ferentz is out of a job. Kirk Ferentz does not want to coach anymore because his son's not there. That's fine. Iowa can go look for another coach. During the Big Ten Championship, I heard from the commentator going with Gus Johnson, the color guy, saying, Brian Ferentz signed a contract that said you had to score 25 points a game, and that's so unfair to the players. That's unfair to him. That's such a high standard. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, cut me with the crybaby bullshit. Oh, my Lord. You're going to tell me that it's unfair to the players to have their coach that signed this deal knowing what he was walking into, it's unfair to them because they can't score. Because now they have a standard. They have a standard every single season to go win a Big Ten title. They have a standard every single year to go out there and just win games. As a coach, you have an off, You have a standard. As an offensive coordinator, you have a standard. You can't tell me as a commentator no matter what your bias is 
or unbiasedly, I should really say, that you have a team that is fighting for their own lives because of a 25-point-a-game signature. If you looked at Iowa in the Big Ten Championship, I feel for Hill because balls were dropped everywhere. But also, this is another comment. Hill is a quarterback. I think everybody's talked about it. It's just a little little interesting to see what that whole idea was behind finding a quarterback. But Spencer Peters transferred. All right, fine. Go at it. Hill was the new starter for Iowa this year. But it's like, guys, you still have to make plays. You still have to go out and do your job. But as an offensive coordinator, you have to call the correct plays. You have to call the correct plays to be able to give your offense the best chance of success. And if they screw it up, then that's your fault. Iowa was calling plays that didn't even need to be called. In the Big Ten Championship, they weren't. It almost looked like they just wanted to give Michigan the game or have their defense win it. It was ridiculous to watch at points because, I mean, you're throwing just short bubble screens a lot. You're trying to throw two-yard passes forward every single time. Your running game couldn't get anything going because you were attacking the wrong holes. I mean, seriously, what's going on? So Brian Ferentz is out. I don't think that a standard on a coach's contract has to reflect the players at all whatsoever because I I don't even know if they knew about it until he got fired which they shouldn't. That's not their job. Their job is just to go out and play. But you can't set that comment of saying, this is the standard that the coach has to meet, so now that's unfair to the players. Unreal. I hate it. Hate it with a burning passion. So Michigan wins the Big Ten. Pac-12 goes to Washington. Texas goes with the Big 12. Bama with the SEC. Florida ACC. I mean, holy cow, we're getting into it. So now... We'll break down the bowl games for you. And this is my favorite segment ever that I love to do with college football. As we get into 30 minutes here. Also, Army-Navy game coming up. One of the most. I love the schools, and I love that they do this game. And I'm not I'm not trash talking at all. There is no offense in this game either. There is hardly any passing. It's all just ground-to-pound football. And, oh, my Lord, sometimes it makes me want to just drive my head to the floor. Oh, my gosh, dude. Oh, it is ridiculous. I, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I love the game, though. I love watching it, but I can only stand so much. But now, it's bowl season. Nebraska fell short of a bowl game, by the way. Ended up losing to Iowa on Black Friday. So, now, we're sitting back at home. The rules doing work. Apparently, the rumor is that McCord, quarterback from Ohio State, has transferred to the good old University of Nebraska, Lincoln. So we now have a quarterback in Connor McCord. So that's fun. We're rebuilding for next season. I'm excited. I'm still going to back the boys. I'm still going to talk about it because you can't have, and this isn't my point to say because I get it, it's, it is what it is because Nebraska didn't make plays either. I'll, I'll say that loud and clear for everybody who wants to hear it. I'm not just dogging on Iowa because I know what it is. Nebraska didn't make plays either. They had three opportunities to become bull eligible and did not make it. Losing close games once again. Turnover margin. Horrible this season. Nebraska had like 31 turnovers leading the FBS in turnovers. 
that's not going to win games. Yeah, I know. I know. Rule knows this. I know everybody knows this. I know Iowa fans know that their offense was bad. But it's it's simple. And then when you actually look at it, yes, being a coach is not so simple. But still, there's got to be something. Something done. I'm just a fan. I don't know what I'm talking about. But it's bowl season, so now we're going to break down Nick's top favorite. And by favorite, I don't mean favorite. But we're going to break down the top five most interesting bowl names this year. And we're going to start here. Going down the list. Everybody knows the Potato Bowl. That's fine. I got to go find them here. Because there was a lot of a lot of bowls. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of bowls. Here we go. Starting with it early. Current matchup on December 28th. We have Kansas State and NC State in the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Awesome. I was a fan of Pop-Tarts as a kid. I still am. The Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. We'll go with that one there. Rutgers versus Miami on the same day. See if we got any on the starting day. Ah, yes. The Avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl. What? Miami, Ohio versus Appalachian State Saturday the 16th. And if that's got a, a meaning behind it that I haven't checked out, I'm not trying to dog on the meeting. I'm just saying the names are just out there. It's so interesting. Like, I don't... Some of these bowls... The famous Toastry Bowl? Bro, that's the Pop-Tart Bowl ripped off. Come on. Western Kentucky versus Old Dominion. The Hilltoppers get a chance at the good old Monarchs. How many do I got here? That's got to be five, four... Everybody knows the the Potato Bowl. That one's always good just because. You got the First Responders Bowl. Both the military bowls are there as well. The military and the Armed Forces Bowl, which that one's fine. I like those ones. And I'm not going to make fun of the name. We got to go down the list here because I know there was so much more. I think that might be it, honestly. Oh, we got the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. Barstool Sports seriously gets a freaking bowl game. <sighs> All right, cool. I'm going to catch a lot of flack for that one. Because I want to try to see if I can go back and cut out all these clips of me talking about these bowl games and just going through my little, just going through the names and just seeing what happens. But the Barstool Sports is Toledo versus Wyoming. We'll go through your big New Year's Six Bowls here. And honestly, okay, 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 okay. Soapbox one more time. The New Year's Six Bowls aren't even at New Year's Day anymore. They're spread out. What is going on? We talk about this every year now. Screw your TV deals. Screw whatever you think needs to happen when it comes to moving bowl games. The New Year's Six is college football tradition. The big bowls are New Year's Day. Unreal. Just, oh, it kills me so freaking much. The DirecTV Holiday Bowl used to usually be on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve between Louisville and USC. That game is on Wednesday, December 27th. 
four days out. Arizona, Oklahoma, the Alamo Bowl. That's on Thursday, December 28th. What are we doing? Then you go down to the Cotton Bowl, one of the most prolific bowls in history of college football. Missouri, Ohio State. That game is on Friday, December 29th, not New Year's Day. The Peach Bowl, not on New Year's Day. That's on Saturday, December 30th, Ole Miss, Penn State. The Orange Bowl. Georgia, Florida State. Go Seminoles, honestly. Go Seminoles in that one. Because Florida State just deserves to, they deserve something, and I hope they come out with a fire, and I hope Kirby Smart is ready to get his ass kicked. It might not happen, but I hope he is. Capital One Orange Bowls on Saturday, December 30th. No bowls on New Year's Eve. No playoff games on New Year's Eve. Oh, my gosh. And then here's where we really start going into it. The Fiesta Bowl, which God bless Liberty staying in, winning their conference. They're at 23rd in the country. You're 13-0 and and you're 23rd in the country. Yeah. Bowl. In the Fiesta Bowl. Liberty, Oregon. This one's going to be a tough one because here's the biggest thing. Now you have new teams starting to really make impacts. You had USC do it, or not USC. You had UCF do it. You had Cincinnati do it. You had Boise State do it. And also, if Florida State needs another resume builder, look at Boise State back in the Fiesta Bowl. Beating Oklahoma, beating Bob Stoops in Oklahoma to win it all in the Fiesta Bowl. UCF beat Auburn. Cool. Was beating LSU until somebody decided to give Joe Burrow a shot and really piss off Joe Shiesty. Unreal. Cincinnati held Alabama to held Alabama to only 24 points. Come on. Come on. Still lost, but come on. Liberty ain't Oregon. I think Bo Nix and the Ducks are going to have this, but they better be ready for a game because these Liberty boys are going to come ready to play. It's going to be interesting to see how this one goes down. The Citrus Bowl, Iowa, Tennessee. The Volunteers either are going to do the same thing that Michigan did and they're going to win big, but they're still going to win slow big, or Iowa might actually beat Tennessee this year. Alabama-Michigan in the college football playoff game number one in the Rose Bowl Classic, the best-known college football bowl game ever. Number one, Michigan versus number four, Bama, and then for the All-State Sugar Bowl, back to the place where Texas said they were back. Thank you, Sam Ellinger. You still weren't, but now you might be. Texas has Michael Penix Jr. and the Huskies. This game I am super excited for because as a closet Texas fan, I want to see Texas win. But I also have a Washington agenda this year to the point to where I want Bo Nick, or not Bo Nix, Penix Jr. and these Huskies to run the table and win it. Prove everybody. Give the Pac-12 that last shot. Glory. Before it goes down the drain. Also, I want to talk about this real quick. Jaden Daniels is apparently the front runner and was voted the best player in college football this year. So now add that to his resume on winning a Heisman. But I want to read this stat line here for you on why why this makes sense that Jaden Daniels on a losing or on a nine-win LSU team, not a third and not a conference title winning LSU team. Keep that in mind. Because if this is what we're going to really break down to it, then why why, why is Florida State not in it? So this is what we're going to break down to. 
Michael Penick's resume if he was not voted the best player in college football? This is going to be a lot of reading. 4,218 passing yards, number one rank in college football. Perfect 13-0 record with 11 Power 5 opponents beaten on that cal- on that playoff or that schedule. 5-0 versus ranked opponents this season. Won a conference title. Led six games winning or six game winning clinching drives. Beat two former or beat the former Heisman favorite Bonex twice. Had Heisman performances versus USC and Oregon both times. JT Daniels' resume. Or Jaden Daniels. I don't know why I keep saying JT. Jaden Daniels. 3,812 passing yards. Third in college football. Nine and three record. Never ranked in the top 12 for LSU in the playoff. One and three against ranked opponents. Finished third in the division for the SEC in the SEC West. Played nine power, or nine power five opponents. No big Heisman moments, according to this tweet. The only advantage that Daniels has, he rushed for 1,000 yards with that. If we're going to really talk about how this is how this is booked out, why isn't LSU in the conversation? College football has become a total cluster, and I hate it. As a college football fan, it drives me up a wall. And as a just college football fanatic and trying to follow it as best I can to potentially, I would love to try to get a little bit more work with college football. I would really do. I really would because I love talking about it. <sighs> it just blows my mind. It really does. Also, James Madison did get a bowl game this year. By the way, I saw it. Where was it? I got to go down. I got to go down. James Madison of the Armed Forces Bowl with a one-loss record. They have Air Force chilling, waiting for them. They ended up winning the Sun Belt East. But I believe Troy took the cal- or Troy took the conference title when it came to the Sun Belt, beating App State. But James Madison gets to go bowling this year. There's a lot of conversation about how lawsuits were potentially coming. A lot of lawsuits that are being talked about for Florida State on what's coming. No more, no less. Also, the transfer portal is getting hit hard at work this season. A lot of big major names are going there. Washington State's quarterback has hit the transfer portal. Kyle McCord has gone there. Michigan State's quarterback has gone in there. A lot of big guys are going to the transfer portal. So a lot of a lot of names are looking to pick up some talent. Colorado is losing a lot of guys to the transfer portal after the fall off. The fall off this season of good old Deion Sanders. And now I will say this. The Pac-12 was just an absolute powerhouse of a conference. But if you're going to want to play with the big dogs and you're going to actually want to play this game, you gotta have some. You gotta have a lot of talent there, which Colorado did. Colorado had a fair amount of talent on that team, but the fact of the matter was, is they didn't know how to really truly work together when it came to being on the field and coming up with clutch moments. Colorado finished one and eight in the Pac-12, but tripled their win total from last year with four and eight as a record. Okay, that's a good start. I like it for Dion. But he's got a lot of work to do still. You're losing a lot of guys to the transfer portal. You're losing a couple of coaches potentially to jobs. Saw this TikTok earlier today. 
you are now looking at a team that completely has to rebuild from the ground. They did get an offensive tackle that started, or I believe it was a defensive tackle. Five-star recruit coming committed to college football and Coach Prime. I love what Coach Prime wanted to try to do with this. He wanted to try to win fast, and he wanted to try to win big. It worked out for a couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden it hit a wall with Oregon, and they just got stomped. But that's fine. You're a new coach. You're trying to work with new guys. Go for it. Do what you can. The coaching leash in college football also is too short. I think a lot of guys are getting overlooked. I think a lot of guys are just getting kicked at the curb when stuff's starting. Now, when it comes to especially like the Nebraska programs, we needed to get winning fast or winning better and up. More games in the season wins. If your win totals go up, you keep your job. If they start going down or stay only consistent at like three or four a season, bye. That's that's how it's been. But Dion and the Buffs struggled at the end of the year, which was fine. Everybody figured that they were going to hit a struggle point. It was there. It happened. Moving on now, we'll go to the NFL. We'll try to do a couple of quick subjects here. I told JC I would try to keep this at 40, 40 minutes, but I went on a little bit too much of a soapbox there. So now, talking about the NFL, this has now become one of the most interesting playoff races I think I've seen in a hot minute. We'll throw it to the AFC first. The Dolphins 9-3 and three in the East, followed by the Bills at 6-6. Six and six. The Bills got hyped up, and they did not meet the hype. Josh Allen trying to play way too much. Just He's, uh, he's a dog. He's going to keep fighting. The Bills are still sitting at an okay position, but they need to flip a switch fast. Excuse me, not a lot of games remaining in the season for the Bills. We'll just go through the top teams here in each division just because it's kind of getting to that point. The Ravens, 9-3 and three in the north of the AFC. Excuse me, the Browns at 7-5. and five. Cleveland with a total backup quarterback coming in there. Cleveland is sitting at 7-5. and five. Pittsburgh today ended up losing to New England. That's right, Bill Belichick got a win for the Patriots today. 7-6 and six sit them, and then the Bengals with a big win to kind of keep their playoff hopes alive against Jacksonville at 6-6. Six and six. That's, that's a tight race there in the north. The Ravens are going to pr- probably pretty much win that division, but there's still a lot to be said about the wild card. Going to the AFC South. Jacksonville currently sitting at 8-4 after a loss to Cincinnati the other night. The Colts making a move. Gardner Menchu, the stash. Oh, unbelievable. Big win last week for the Colts over the Chargers or over the Titans. Also, if anybody see it, didn't see it, Will Levis, the quarterback out of Kentucky for Tennessee, um, threw his own interception, hit the defensive back, forced a fumble, recovered said fumble, and then acted like he was playing a game of tag and then ran to the end zone. If you haven't seen this play, it's absolutely Hilarious, and also the heart that it takes for that in the NFL. Hell yeah, Will Levis. Titans are sitting at the bottom of the division there with four and eight. The biggest talk about story of the year that I think needs to happen. It doesn't get a lot of credit, even though it really, really does. The Houston Texans, coming from one of the worst teams in the NFL in the last few years, to now being a talk at potentially a wild card holder in the AFC. And, I mean, this talk is up there. 
the kid from Ohio State, that everybody was wondering how he was going to perform on the Texans, what he was going to have around him. C.J. Stroud has just blown people's minds, mine especially. I was not thinking that Stroud would be this successful. Looking back at his days at Ohio State, he was a good quarterback. He was able to run and gun beyond the move. Decision-wise, he wasn't that careless with the football either. But now you're playing in the NFL, that's a totally different thing, especially top-drafted quarterbacks normally don't have a very high success rate in the NFL once they first start. Stroud has completely blown it out of the water. The Texans are 7-5. and He's had a couple of struggle buses on the way, but every new quarterback is going to do that. C.J. Stroud, 3,500 passing yards, 20 touchdowns, only five interceptions. That's huge in your first season as a rookie. It's also huge to beat teams that you have to force the Broncos back, who have been on a hot streak, winning six, winning five straight. You now force them back, and that their hopes for a playoff berth alive or slightly dead. And it didn't look like C.J. Stroud was going to have a lot of talent around him. No, C.J. Stroud now has everything around him. Nico Collins is there. He's been having a freaking breakout year, 991 pass, er, passing reception yards. Then you've also got Singletary, who got traded from the Bills over to the Texans. And he's been busting moves. He's been doing his part. You pick up Dalton Schultz off a of free agency from the Cowboys, and Dalton Schultz has been a big target as a tight end, which he was last year for Dak. That's a big target to hit. Good. You had Tank Dell. Tank Dell broke his femur against the Broncos. But Tank Dell was another target that you can hit. C.J. Stroud has weapons on this team. I mean, this Houston Texans team could potentially be dangerous. Will they win the playoffs? Will they win the Super Bowl? The possibilities would be this this low. This, this low. But they're there. The Texans are there. They have a potential chance. With the end of their schedule, they got the Jets coming up uh, this Sunday. Titans, Browns, Titans, Colts. So that's a that's a tough couple of teams. Even though the Titans four and eight record doesn't show how, uh, I wouldn't say good, but it Derrick Henry has not been playing his best football this year. And the Titans with Levis have been a little bit of a struggle, but still Levis has given his best. So now you got the Jets, who you could either win this game or lose this game. Normally, with now how the Jets have been playing, you might win this game. The Browns, on the other hand, that one's going to be tough. The Colts, Gardner Menchie, that's in Indy. That's going to be tough. But apparently Houston has become one of the toughest places to play because they've got a three they've got three more games on the road with the Jets, round one against the Titans, and the Colts at the end of the year. The Browns, round two against the Titans, going to be at home in Houston. Now, throwing it to the AFC West, this is just a tough one, tough one for me to swallow because the Broncos could have been 7-6 and six with the win over the Texans last week and really holding a potential chance of the door being just cracked open a little bit to slide up to that top of the conference, or top of the division. It was slowly shut in our face. 8-4 and four of the Chiefs, their top in the AFC West. Broncos 6-6. Six and six. Chargers still fighting for a spot. The Raiders are 5-7, and seven, but I think the Chargers' chances are out. So, they still do have a chance on a one-game win streak here. The AFC West, the Chiefs have not been playing their best football this year, folks, and it's not because of the Travis Kelsey-Taylor Swift thing. It's really not. If if he's letting that go to his head, then that's total crap. My camera just died. Sorry, Travis Kelsey. If If you're letting the Taylor Swift incident go to your head, which I... I, I can't call him out because I've got the, the quote, New Heights podcast. I, that was just an unintentional ad for them, I guess. The new 
Travis Kelsey is going to be potentially knocking on my door. That's a big man. I don't want to deal with that. But he has not been playing his best football this year. Mahomes has even been struggling a little bit with a couple of big interceptions that he's thrown. Wide receivers dropping the ball. Marvin Valdez-Scantley dropping the ball. Kadarius Toney dropping the ball. Kelsey with drops. The Chiefs are looking a little bit interesting. It's hard. We'll see how it goes. The Broncos and Russ and Sean Payton started flying on a little bit of a high road after getting blown out by the Dolphins 70-20. to Good. Going out of the NFC, the Eagles at a 10-2 after getting blown away by the 49ers. In Philly. Huge. For San Francisco and the Purdy Boy to get that win done. Eagles have been playing a little bit of an interesting game this year, too. They haven't been looking the greatest, but still the Eagles are 10-2, and 10 top-ranked team in the NFL. The Cowboys. <laughs> oh, poor Cowboys fans. Oh, you guys are so just hoping. I saw a TikTok today. This was the funniest thing that I think I saw. Oh, boy. I can't, I, I, ooh, I don't know if I can say it. I don't know how many kids listen to this. I'm too deep in the rabbit hole now. Sorry. <laughs> Parents, if you got kids in the room or kids, if you're listening to this, cut out because you don't want to hear this. And by kids, I mean anybody under the high school age. This sounds really weird to say. So I'm going to say the joke really fast. All these kids that are, or don't make fun of a kid that still believes in Santa. Because I know plenty of other adults that still believe that the Cowboys have a shot to win this, or believe in the Dallas Cowboys. Roasted. Oof. Cowboys are sitting at 9-3. and three. Dak and the boys are trying to keep their, keep their NFC East hopes alive with another loss by Philly. The Giants, 4-8. Oof. Commanders, 4-9. Oof. Going to the NFC North, the Detroit Lions this year on a breakout with Jared Goff. Looking like what the Detroit Lions usually do. They start winning in the season, and then once they get to the playoffs, are they going hit to the, hit the ground running? May and, or are they going to do what they do every year and just tank? The Minnesota Vikings, 6-6. Six and six. The Green Bay Packers. Jordan Love this season has now kind of been on a slight revenge tour, and he's been picking it up. Packers are hot. They're three games up. On a win streak. Christian Watson has been playing great the last couple of weeks. Had some big key receptions. So the Packers are looking strong. JC and the Bears, boy, I'm sorry. Four and eight. Got a lot of work on that one. Atlanta Falcons are sitting at six and six atop of the NFC South. This division is just wow. Bucks, five and seven. Saints, five and seven. Carolina, first team eliminated for the playoffs and probably the number one draft pick overall next year. Bryce Young's road to fame is not as paved as C.J. Stroud's is, I guess. Then throw it to the NFC West. The Niners sitting at 9-3. and three. Rams 6-6 six and six still fighting for a playoff spot. Seahawks are still doing the same. And then you got the Arizona Cardinals with Kyler Murray back at 3-10. and 10. Also, I want to point this out. So my coworker said this today. And I don't know what you guys think. The most consistent team in the NFL this year to me, with even with their three-game couple of, couple of losses here, the most day-in, day-out, week-in, week-out team to me, you got to go with the Niners. 
there is too much talent on that team around. Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, who they're starting to use more like Debo Samuel again. George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey. Hell, they use a fullback. Brock Purdy, still playing fantastic football. The defense may not be number one in the league this year, but they're consistently creating turnovers. You are consistently putting pressure on a quarterback and forcing games to come your way. Nick Bosa on the outside edge. The man is a tank. The man is a unit. The 49ers are hot. Going to the playoff standings here. Leading the AFC, you got Miami at 9-3, Baltimore 9-3, KC 8-4, Jags 8-4. Sitting at knocking on the door for the wild card spot is Cleveland, Indy, Houston, Pittsburgh, Broncos. The Broncos wins the tiebreaker over Cincinnati based on the best win. The Bills are still fighting for a spot at 6-6. So there's still a handful of teams knocking at the door for the wild card. Throwing it to the NFC, the Eagles, Niners. Eagles are top at 10-2. Niners are looking to climb back into that door. 9-3. Lions, 9-3. Falcons, 6-6. Worst division leader. Cowboys. 9-3. 9-3. Vikings, 6-6. Six and six. Packers, 6-6, six and six, still knocking on the door. Rams, Seahawks, both 6-6, six and six, still knocking on the door. The Bucks could potentially be there. Is it going to happen? We don't know. Saints, we don't know either at 5-7, and seven, both teams. So the playoff race is coming at a big stretch right now. Going to the schedule this week, like I said, New England already beat Pitt tonight for Thursday night football, or should I say last night, because we're now on the midnight hour. Going to Sunday, Tampa versus Atlanta. Tampa looking to potentially get their shot at keeping that door open. And possibly take over the division. Detroit, Chicago, that's Soldier Field. That one's going to be a hit or miss game. The Lions should have it, I would hope. But something tells me the Bears might pull something out. I really don't know. But with a four-win Bear team, nope. I got to go with the Lions still. Colts, Bengals. I don't know, man. Jake Browning from Washington, the former Husky. I got to go with the Bengals in Cincinnati. Put on a show in Florida. Jake Browning was an absolute stud. Jamar Chase finally gets back into a game. Holy shit, folks. I got Cincinnati, and I got to go with my boy Jake Browning. I've been high, I was high on that kid coming out of the draft when he was still at Washington. I got to give it to him. I got to, got to, got to. Cleveland, Jacksonville. Jacksonville just coming off a one loss, going to the dog pound. Give me Cleveland, honestly. I think Jack and Jacksonville doesn't have Trevor Lawrence, which might not matter. You still got Evan Ingram on the outside for a tight end. You got Kirk. I mean, there there are plenty of big playmakers there on that Jaguars offense. You got Travis Etienne as well as a running back. It's going to take him a little bit to get a new quarterback back in the session, but we'll see if Trevor Lawrence is back. If he wants a cart, I don't think he does. Carolina, New Orleans. Give me New Orleans. Easy. Texans, Jets, on the road. Playing in Newark, or in Jersey. With the way that Stroud has been playing, I still want Stroud and the Texans. Baltimore, Rams. Give me Baltimore. Vikings, Raiders. Oof. That one's a tough one. But give me the Vikings and Josh Dobbs, baby. Seattle, San Francisco. This one's at the Gold Rush in San Francisco. This blow. This was a blowout the last time. Give me the Niners. 
Buffalo, Kansas City. This one is going to go either way because both teams are going to make a couple of big mistakes, and I think it's going to be huge. It's it's going to come down to the wire, and this one could keep Buffalo's playoff hopes alive. The Bills have not played the Chiefs yet this year. So, I, I would like to go with give me Buffalo, or give me the Chiefs on that one. I about said give me Buffalo. My computer is wigging the freak out. Denver, Chargers, in L.A. I'm going to be a Broncos fan. Go Broncos. Dallas, Philly, Sunday night football in Dallas at AT&T. Sorry, Dak. I got to go with my boys in Philly. And they're not my boys, but that's what I'm doing. Monday night, we got two games slated off. Tennessee, Miami. Miami's got to take that one. Green Bay, Giants in New York. Give me Green Bay. Give me Jordan Love. The kid is playing on a roll. That's pretty much all I got, folks. I'll have a college basketball breakdown for you, but I wanted to try to keep my segment as short as I possibly could because I don't know what JC is going to run with as well. So without further ado for me, that will be my wrap-up. I hope you guys enjoyed this talk. I am so sorry for my tangent rant. On that, also, I'm 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 gonna have a proud moment here. This might be a sad proud moment. I only had one beer during this podcast, mostly because I was ranting about college football the whole time. Which also, I'm sorry if you guys had to hear that, but we'll get some social media clips out to you for that. Thank you very much for joining my side of it. Now, hopefully, you guys enjoy enjoyed JC. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Covert Show. Go check out all our social medias on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. And I hope you all have a great weekend. So we'll see you without further ado. JC, take her away. And with that, I will be taking over the rest of the way here on the Covert Show. What I've got lined up for you, NFL, NHL, NCAA College Basketball, NCAA Division I Women's Volleyball Tournament. And we'll recap some of the NAIA Women's Volleyball Tournament as well as uh, the NAIA football playoffs. And that's uh, going to be here in the second half of uh, the Covert Show. Starting here with the NFL. Running through the scores of the last weekend. The Baltimore Ravens are looking to be in a good position, all things told. They were among the teams winning. Ravens win in overtime against the Rams. Other teams winning. Bucks over the Falcons, 29-25. Patriots get their third win of the year and upset the Pittsburgh Steelers in the process, 21-18. Bears get their fifth win of the year. Thump the Detroit Lions, 28-13. Other winners, the Bengals, the Browns, the Saints, the Jets, the Vikings in a 3-0 game. Uh, not much highlights there in that one. 49ers keep on rolling. They're now 10-3. Bills and Chiefs. Controversy in that one, but the Bills get the win. Broncos beat the Chargers 24-7. And Eagles get thumped by Dallas in Dallas 33-13. Titans shock the Dolphins 28-27. And the Giants knock off the Packers 22 or 24-22. Other teams on buys last week, the Cardinals and Commanders, who combine for seven wins. 
We now take a look at what that means for the playoff picture as uh, we get one week closer to said playoffs. Only one team has clinched so far, and that is the NFC's top seed at the moment. The 49ers are 10 and 3. They clinched Dallas second right now, 10 and 3, Detroit 9 and 4, Bucks 6 and 7 lead the NFC South, which is not very good. The Eagles 10 and 3, Vikings 7 and 6 and the Packers 6 and 7. Cowboys host the Packers. Vikings would go to Detroit and Philadelphia would go to Tampa if the season ended today. Bubble teams Three or uh, four of which are six and seven Rams, Seahawks, Falcons, and Saints. Very bubbled teams, Bears and Giants. Teams not really worth worrying about. Cardinals and Commanders eliminated the NFC, the 1 and 12 Carolina Panthers. We now look on the other side, the AFC, RC's Ravens, 10 and 3 lead of the way. Nobody's clinched yet on the AFC side. Dolphins second at 9 and 4. Third, Kansas City. Fourth, Jacksonville. And fifth, Browns, all eight and five. Sixth is Pittsburgh at seven and six. Colts, seven and six. So if the season ended today, Colts at the Dolphins. Steelers at the Chiefs. Browns at the Jags. Ravens get that first round by. Bubble teams, Texans, Knicks, Broncos, the Bengals and Bills, all seven and six. And really kind of already heavy bubble teams. Chargers, Raiders, Jets, Titans, all at 5-8. and eight. And the 3-10 and 10 Patriots have been eliminated. That's a look at the NFL. Now we shift gears to the NHL and games going on tonight. A lot of these games may be rolling final throughout the uh, show as I'm doing it right now, but for the 12th of December, the Maple Leafs hang seven on the Rangers, 7-3. Hurricanes get past the Senators, 4-1. Coyotes get thumped by the Penguins, 4-2. Preds win in overtime against the Flyers, 3-2. The Red Wings beat the Blues, 6-4. The Kraken shut out the Panthers, 4 nothing. The Canucks get past the Lightning 4-1. Other scores that are uh, still in action but should be done by the time we're done here on the show. Oilers look like they're well on the way to beating the Blackhawks 4-1. And the Flames and Golden Knights for the second time in as many meetings this year are going to overtime as uh, the numbers for that... At the end of the first, it was two or a one-one. End of the second, Yegor Sharangovich had a goal, made it three-two. The Knights would score two in a row before, with one minute to go, Yegor Sharangovich has his second. So old Sherry looking for the hat trick, the former Devil, uh, trying to get it done. There, we'll keep tabs on that game uh, right now uh, as we go. As we'll talk about the old New Jersey Devils before we talk about who's doing what here. As uh, the Devils, well, it's been three of four on a, a western road trip, a lot of it through Canada. Uh, looking in the recent games, Canucks 6-5 winner. 
Kraken 2-1 winner. Flames 4-2 winner before Edmonton uh, beat the Devils. Devils coming up this week on Wednesday. They will be hosting the Bruins. Saturday, they are at the Blue Jackets. And Sunday, they play host to the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, And then after that, only down to about six games before the new year. So already starting to wind her down there. The Golden Knights win it in overtime and the Oilers get it done against the Blackhawks. Uh, One other game going I completely missed was the Sharks and Jets just into the third period. That one, 11-14 to go in the third. We'll check out the game winner in overtime. Mark Stone gets the game winner in overtime. He had the a goal in the third period, two-goal game for Mark Stone, two-goal game for Yegor Sharangovich, and uh, the Golden Knights continue their ways as uh, they win. Not always pretty in uh, recent times at least, but uh, they do get it done today, getting that extra point. Uh, recent memory, they won in a shootout against the Sharks back on Sunday, thumped Dallas and thumped the Blues Scoring six goals in both of those games. 6-3 winner over the Blues. 6-1 over the Stars. Coming up for the Golden Knights. They are back in action Friday against the Sabres. Sunday against the Senators. And then they start to wind down their schedule. As after the Senators game, they will have only five games left before they play their uh, stadium series, outdoor game, whatever you want to call it, uh, against the Kraken on New Year's Day. So we look at the standings as uh, we look on the West. We'll start out West. Right now, Colorado leading the Central Division with 36 points, 35 for Dallas, and third, uh, 34 for the Jets. Notably, Jets have two games in the bag against Colorado, one for Dallas. And then the Predators right there as well, 32 points for them. The Blues and uh, Coyotes both tumbling at the moment. They both have lost four in a row. Pacific Division, not an ounce of surprise here for the top team. We'll talk more about the other two. Top team playing 30 games already. They're one of a few to play 30. Vegas is 25-5. and five. They're 45 points. They've won four in a row. They're just about unbeatable at home at two, uh, 11, 2, and 2. A team kind of that I'm not sure anybody knows quite what to do with is the Vancouver Canucks at 39 points. They played 29 games. As a lot of people don't think they can sustain it. The Kings third at 36 points and then a big drop off to... The Oilers, Flames, and Kraken, 27, 26, and 25, respectively. Then looking to the east, the Atlantic Division, top two, three, probably are not surprising. Boston, 39 points. Florida, 36 points. And Toronto, 35 points. Tampa and Detroit, 34 and 31. Red Wings with 34 in there then we get to the metro the devils are currently sixth but before you start getting too concerned about it the rangers lead the division at 39 points they're 19 7 and 1 they're going to be one of the better teams in the league this year uh islanders and flyers at 33 caps and hurricanes at 31 devils at 29 however 
They have two games in pocket against the Caps Flyers. So they could uh, make some moves there. Now we look at the wild card race division leaders. We talked about it. Boston, Florida, Toronto, New York, New York, and Philly. Top two wild card, Detroit and Washington. Devils would be fifth. Western, Colorado, Dallas, Winnipeg, Vegas, Vancouver, L.A., Nashville, and uh, Arizona. Edmonton already just one singular point out of the wild card spot. They've won eight in a row. They are uh, looking like a team that may be a force to be reckoned with if they can get to the playoffs, but kind of have dug themselves a hole as uh, this uh, 30 of 82 have been played by the Golden Knights. And then just for fun, uh, the Florida Panthers third in the East, Devils 11th, Vegas number one in the West. And then as it pertains to the league, the Golden Knights 45 points have them at first in the West. However, they have played four more games already uh, than Boston, three more than the Rangers. So keep that in mind as the uh, mathematical eight points would uh, put the Bruins at 47 and the three points would uh, put mathematically could put the Rangers right around the same point total as the Golden Knights. Now we'll switch gears to NCAA Volleyball. They're down to uh, the semifinals, and uh, we'll talk about the top parts of the bracket here. Semifinalist Nebraska and Pittsburgh play at 6 o'clock on Thursday. The championship game slated for Sunday. And then the other semifinal, Wisconsin and Texas, we'll talk about Nebraska's route. You know, they routed a lot of teams to get there. They beat LIU in a straight sweep, number eight, Missouri in a straight sweep, number five, Georgia Tech in a straight sweep, and then Arkansas three sets to one. No one has really touched them uh, in that respect. And then you go down to the bottom part, number one, Pittsburgh swept past Copen State, four-set winner over Southern Cal, Swept past Washington State and then a five-set thriller against Louisville. Uh, looking at the uh, matchup there, Louisville took the first two sets, and it's a reverse sweep for Pittsburgh. They win 25-16, 25-19, 15-7. 25-19 Absolutely electric come-from-behind win for the top seed, and uh, that is what advances them to the semifinal. As for the other... Part of the bottom bracket, number two, Texas. Four-set winner over Texas A&M. Swept past SMU. Five-set winner over Tennessee uh, in the two-versus-three matchup. Texas found themselves down and on the brink of elimination as uh, they were down two sets to one before winning 26-24 in set four. And then 14 or 16-14 in set five. So a really good battle there between Texas and Tennessee. And then Texas would upset number one Stanford in four sets. Top part of the bracket, Wisconsin, another Big Ten team. Swept past Jackson State, swept past Miami of Florida, and beat fellow Big Ten contender with uh, Penn State three sets to one before beating uh, Oregon three sets to one. Again, Wisconsin, Texas, Nebraska, Pittsburgh, the two semifinals 
in the volleyball championships. Now moving to NCAA men's basketball action from tonight, the 12th of December. Number 12, Tennessee beat Georgia Southern 74-56. to Number 21, Duke passed Hofstra 89-68. to Other scores, Southern U over champion Chris 109-61. Not familiar with that team there. Uh... Says champion Chris. So we'll uh, go with that, I guess. Uh, other score Seton Hall beat Monmouth 70 to 61. Campbell picks up an 88 59 to win. Uh, Louisiana Tech beat Southeastern Louisiana 89 to 60. Maryland hung 105 on Alcorn 105 to 65. St. Peter's beat UMBC 66 60. Uh, Troy beat, or uh, Troy picked up a win, 102 63. Sam Houston beat ULM, 63 62. Western Kentucky beat Wright State, 80 or 91 84. Minnesota hung 101 on IUPUI, uh, 101 65. UNI picking up the win against Prairie View, 74 55. Green Bay beat UIC, 70 68. And Georgetown beat Copen State. 71 to 54. Boise State beat Northwestern State 95 54. And Oregon beat California Baptist. That final score 76 to 55. Final category. Voices held out so far. Hoping for that to continue. The 2023 NAIA Women's Volleyball Championship bracket has a national champ going back to the Quarterfinals, it was Northwestern over Vanguard, three sets to one. Viterbo over Midland, three sets to one. Same margin for the University of, uh, or Indiana Wesleyan beating the University of Jamestown, three sets to one. Eastern Oregon beat Columbia of Missouri in five sets. Looking at that matchup there, uh, the five set winner for Eastern Oregon saw Eastern Oregon win two, uh, first two sets, and Columbia. Fell short in a reverse sweep. They would ultimately lose set five to Eastern Oregon, 15 to 12. Semifinals, Northwestern beat Viterbo, three sets to one. And Indiana Wesleyan beat Eastern Oregon, three sets to one as well. And then the national championship played last week. Saw Indiana Wesleyan knock off Northwestern of Orange City in five sets. It was Northwestern taking sets one and three, Indiana Wesleyan taking two, four, and five. Indiana Wesleyan finishing their year a perfect 38-0. Northwestern wraps up the season at 31-3. and Speaking of Northwestern, they're playing for another national championship on the football side of things. Last time we left, it was uh, last podcast we did, I should say, uh, we were talking about the quarterfinals, and we'll run through those once again. It was Georgetown beating Indiana Wesleyan 31-21. Kaiser beat Bethel 56-14. And College of Idaho upset Grandview 31-17. Northwestern beat St. Xavier 34-17. Then in the semifinals, Northwestern dominated Georgetown 35-10. Kaiser hung on to beat the College of Idaho 28-21. So it's a rematch of last year's national championship game. 
as Northwestern out of Orange City, 14-0, will take on Kaiser of Florida, 10-2. That game slated for the 18th of December in Durham, North Carolina. That's a look at my portion of the podcast. Again, a little bit of a different way of doing things here for episode number 73. Be sure to check out The Covert Show on Facebook, Instagram, as well as Twitter at The Covert Show. Shoot us an email at thecovertshow at gmail.com and check us out on Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That is where you can find us. That will do it for the show. Thank you for listening. This has been episode number 73 of The Covert Show.